0: Where Good Ideas Come From by Steven Johnson. One-sentence summary. Where Good Ideas Come From describes how the process of innovation is similar to evolution and why good ideas have to be shaped over time, built on existing platforms, require connections, luck and error, and how you can turn something old into something new. My favorite quote from the author is Chance favors the connected mind. Steven Johnson. Haha, evolution really seems to be the theme of the week. First the selfish gene, then the evolution of everything, and now this. I had no idea this book would also draw many parallels between the concepts found in biological evolution and how innovative ideas make their way into reality, since it was very much an impulse read. I'm glad though, because after reading about evolution so much, this made a lot more sense. Author Stephen Johnson has written 9 books frequently contributes to the new york times the wall street journal and the financial times has founded several startups and now runs a tv show about innovation called how we got to now here are three lessons from one of his most popular books to help you come up with more great ideas yourself one platforms function as springboards for innovations two you can make lucky breaks more frequent by sharing your ideas with others three Look at all things and think about how you can make them useful again. Ready for a trip to the fountain of great ideas? Let's take a walk. Where good ideas come from. Lesson one. By building innovations on existing platforms, you can leverage accomplishments of the past. This answers the question, how does innovation connect to the things and innovations we've made in the past? In ecology, there's the concept of keystone species. Imagine there's a small forest close to your hometown, which hosts almost no predators. This is a great environment for small mammals like rabbits or rodents, and chances are their population will grow fairly quickly. However, exponential population growth among just one species usually leads to a scarcity of resources quite fast. If the rabbits eat all the plants, there'll soon be nothing left. If you dropped off just three wolves on the island, they'd take care of the problem by diminishing the rabbit population back to a healthy level, and plants and other species can grow back, forming a more natural equilibrium of the island's ecosystem. In this case, the wolves would be the keystone species, because they are of crucial importance to the well-being of the ecosystem as a whole. Basically, the wolves are a platform for many other species to thrive on. In innovation, the same thing happens. For example, when the GPS, which is short for Global Positioning System, was released for public use after being developed by the military, many products started to rely on GPS to make new things possible. Car navigation systems, Google Maps, restaurant review apps, and most recently, Pokemon Go. Platforms often lead to multiple levels of innovation too. For example, after Pokemon Go's wild success, many apps have been created to help people succeed in the game, building on top of Pokemon Go. Similarly, Twitter could only be built because the internet existed. Now, countless apps have been built to work only with or for people with a Twitter account, thus stacking innovations on top of each other, thanks to using previously developed platforms. Where good ideas come from, lesson two. Facilitate lucky breaks by sharing your ideas with others in a physical or intellectual space. This answers the question, what is the role of relationships and networking in innovation? Do you know why Google's Cafeteria is a place designed to be so much fun you don't want to leave? It's so you stick around, talk with people and come up with great ideas. When creative people hang around with each other, good things are bound to happen. The more ideas collide, the more lucky breaks will happen, where sudden insights take innovations to the next level. For the same reason, innovators like Charles Darwin or Benjamin Franklin like to work in something Johnson calls slow multitasking mode. In this mode, they worked on several projects simultaneously, but switched only occasionally. For example, if you work on your blog for 4 weeks straight and then switch to an art project for 2 weeks, you will still get a lot done, but can transfer your learnings from one to the other. The other project will stay in the back of your mind, allowing you to subconsciously make new connections. But remember, just working on your ideas all by yourself all the time will eventually make you turn around in circles, so be sure to openly share your ideas with others frequently, and you'll break through mental blocks much faster. Where good ideas come from, lesson three. A great way to innovate is to take something old and tinker with it to see if you can make it useful again. This answers the question, what is a cool way to practice your creativity and coming up with ideas? In biology, there's something called acceptation. It means a feature that was originally developed to serve one specific purpose is now being used in a completely different context. For example, birds evolved to have feathers in order to be able to regulate their temperature. They can expose their heads and feet to cool down or hide them beneath their feathers to stay warm. But what are birds most popular for? Flying! Of course, they could never do it without their feathers, but funnily, that's not what they developed them for. Ideas are often repurposed too. Trying to give something old a new use is one of the best ways to come up with good ideas. The World Wide Web was originally just a network for scholars to get easier access to research material. But when people discovered it had come in handy for shopping, an entirely new use of the network was found. Johannes Gutenberg based his printing press on something that was over 1000 years old at the time, the wine-screw press. As it turned out, the ancient tool used to squeeze juice out of grapes was just as suited to press metal type pieces covered in ink on flat paper surfaces, and voila! The way is paved for modernity to flourish. So the next time you come across something old and seemingly useless, stick with it for a while and think about if you could make it useful in an entirely new way. Here's what I learned from Where Good Ideas Come From by Steven Johnson. One thing I read about really made me both excited and aware of a flaw I have, which is uh, something I want to talk about, And what I also want to do is to give you a very specific way of executing that last idea or that tactic, um, and and just practicing coming up with ideas. So, uh, I hope you got all the metaphors from biology. I try to stick with both, like biology as a theme, right, and then using that to explain innovation. Um, I hope that that worked out. Now. Uh, you get the platform idea basically right so larger platforms create smaller platforms which create smaller platforms still and so the idea stack the innovation stack rises and builds on top on top on top so uh, that's pretty straightforward now the second part the first part about that I realized is that uh, I was thinking Google's cafeteria and the image where the, the quote from the book, Chance Favors the Connected Mind, where that is on also shows a cafeteria and people sitting together, and that picture reminded me of the cafeterias at BMW. I did an internship there once for six months, and there were some huge cafeterias, there was a smaller one at my location where I was, um, uh, where, I was where my team was, and... But I remember it was always a lot of fun to sit with people and have coffee and talk over lunch and so on. There was always such a refreshing, um, there was always a fresh breath of ideas and I never felt bored or that my mind needed stimulation. I realized I've lost a lot of that because I don't work anywhere where I go every day. Um, and so, I need to make an effort to have these interactions, right? When I'm at school, it's a lot easier. Right now, I'm in my hometown, I'm mostly by myself, I take a walk by myself, well, yeah, I talk with my family and so on, but it's not the same thing, right? When you, when you go to a cafeteria where everything is like buzzing and there's lots of people and talking, so in the long run what I want to do is given I would I want to probably stay solo and stay a writer is I want to either work at a co-working space so basically book some office space where I know other people are and work um to to have someone to do this with or maybe take a part-time job somewhere where uh, I can do that or just be really good at scheduling regular meetings for lunch and coffee with friends and so on and so on Uh, because not not just obviously because it helps with creativity and everything but it's also just a nice touch right to be around people like it's kind of cool so i realized this is something i need to get better at maybe you have a lot of opportunities to sit and talk with people Uh, good for you i hope Um, but if not then uh, just something to be aware of Uh, the other thing and this is something i noticed slow multitasking mode yes 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 I am in slow multitasking mode and I only realized it now after reading it. So I I, I do this, right? I have my basic practice, basically, which is the newsletter I send out every Saturday. And that comes with, um, I changed it recently, it comes with a new free article on Medium, a Medium members article, a book summary and a, an answer on Quora. And then just a, a few little tidbits about what I found useful, what made me laugh, what made me think. So the newsletter is sort of my core practice, right? I always do that, right? But then the rest of my time, I try to spend on project after project after project. And this project switches usually, hmm, I want to say every month or two or so. It depends, right? Right now, I'm recording summaries, and I'm going to do that for all of October. That's that's pretty much the only goal I have in October. Um Then in November, I want to try a couple things, right? I want to do video courses and uh, make a little headway with that. Uh, But I have always stacked projects on top of each other. And I want to say they're in duration probably between two and six weeks or so. So usually every two to six weeks, I switch focus on something else. And I found that really, really helpful. Like it works, like you get one project out of the way, move on to the next one. Uh, for me, it works. Maybe just think about what your sort of multitasking schedule is, how many things you're working on simultaneously. Um, just a little bit to think about that. It's helpful to just be aware of what you're doing, right? And whether you want to change something. Now, quick exercise. Really, really cool. I remembered this. I don't know if I read it somewhere, or if I came up with myself. So the idea is, uh, if you want to practice having ideas and combining old and new things, Uh, What you can do is think of the next two words that come to your mind. Just random, two random words, okay? Uh, I just had candle and book, okay? Um, So now what I want to encourage you to do is try to come up with a use where you combine the two. That's it, really. uh I remember at one time I had lawnmower and socks, and then I was trying to think, uh now, obviously you're not tied to to those two elements, right, but go a bit broader so for example, I remembered when I thought of lawnmower and socks, I was thinking, hmm, yeah, if I could like if you were to put a sock over a lawnmower, like what would that do and I was like, it will probably make it a bit quieter, and then I started thinking along the lines of. Hmm. What if there were sort of cloth coverings for lawnmowers to make them to make them uh, to make them more quiet, right? And then I started thinking along the lines of lawnmower silencers, right? So something you could place somewhere on your lawnmower that would make it silent. Then I started thinking of silent lawnmowers, right? Is there a way to make a lawnmower silent altogether? So that's the idea, right? That's a sort of trajectory your thinking should take with these. So don't be bound to the original two items that you thought of. But when you have something, um, feel free to sort of spin that in some crazy direction. Now, with books and candles. I mean, people have lit candles to read for a long, long time, right? Um, But what if there was a book that... So, because it's to read in the dark, right? So, if I think along those lines... Then, uh, when I remember when I was a kid, I would always read under the covers with my flashlight because, you know, it was bedtime and I was supposed to be sleeping. Um, but what if there was a book that if you opened it, no matter what page you opened it, there was this sort of dimly lit glow that you have from a candle, but it was on the page so you could just read it and you wouldn't need a flashlight. Now, that would be cool, right? A book you can read in the dark, basically. See, and that's like how, I, that's how you would... Uh, do that this way uh, obviously that requires some practice uh, and and uh, yeah it just requires practice really so uh, think of random words you can also do something where you go online and have a random word generator just put it on google random word generator and generate the words yourself and then try to combine them and then you just try to think of a new idea that combines these two elements. Sometimes it will be something old and something new. I mean, books and candles is kind of old and new, right? If you think how old candles are and how old books are. Um, and sometimes it will just be new things, but that doesn't matter. On a side note, uh, I want to tell you like what this can lead to. Um, The CEO and editor-in-chief of Better Humans, Tony Stubblebine, which is a large publication on Medium, it has almost 200,000 followers, Um, he came up with a new productivity tactic he called interstitial journaling, right? And what he did, how he came up with this, is that if you know the Pomodoro technique, it's uh, you work in 25-minute blocks and then you follow them up with five-minute breaks. So you work for five minutes focused on a task, no distractions, and then you give yourself a five-minute break. Now, he thought, hmm, what if instead of using that break just to, you know, surf the web and do something distracting, what if I try to do something productive with those five minutes? And then, uh, because at the same time he was doing a practice called Warning Pages by Julia Cameron, who wrote, I think, The Artist's Way... um, He used that as a jumping-off point. So he thought, what if I just journal in those five minutes? And what he came up with is this technique he calls interstitial journaling, which is basically you transition from one task into the next. So you would write a short journal entry where you say, I finished this project, I just sent off this email, I'm still thinking about it, um, and I wonder if I should have said this, but now I'm on to the next task. Now I have to um, rewrite a blog post, right? And just by writing down that transition, it clears your mind of the previous task and makes room for the next one, which is hugely beneficial because then you're not partially focused on your old task and your new one when you start the new one, but full, you have your full attention to give to the new one. It's really cool. It's a great article. It's called Replace Your To-Do List with Interstitial Journaling to Increase Productivity. It has almost 6,000 claps on Medium, I don't know, probably 30,000 reads or something. Uh, so lots and lots of attention and that's all he did right he combined two ideas so that's where all that can take you uh, i hope you enjoyed this little um, journey down evolution line and thinking about ideas and innovation Stephen johnson where good ideas come from awesome book i will see you on one of the next summaries